world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. So let's tear our eyes away from whatever, you know, horrific scandal is going on right now in the political world. It's there. It's happening. <laughs> um, let's talk about some comics. Let's talk about some, some kid-friendly comics. Let's talk about children going on an adventure. Oh, you mean like, 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 like a crusade? Yeah, like a crusade. But I don't know <laughs> if we want to use, like, the word crusade, because crusade Brr. is kind of, like, a thing. Yeah, but that's the name of the book. <laughs> Ah, is it the... Why, okay, fine. My name is Steven, and we've got John and Aldo here, and this is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. I'm okay. I, I, I'm now questioning whether everything that we're going to talk about is problematic, because the name of the thing is Children's Crusade. Which is which is based on a real thing, apparently. The name. I don't know about the story. <laughs> yeah. No, when I, uh, when I pulled up... Uh, the Wikipedia page about this event. There is a, a different Wikipedia page about a like if you search Children's Crusade, that's a thing. Yes. Yeah. The traditional narrative is slightly conflated by some factual and mythical events, which include the visions by a French boy and a German boy, an intention to peacefully convert Muslims in the Holy Land to Christianity, bands of children marching to Italy, and the children being sold into slavery. Um so I so I think I think the connections are are, are you know skin deep. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I I don't like we get talking about it and then all of a sudden we realize there's some unfortunate subtext. Yep. We'll see what happens. Anyway, um, why don't we? We've got two stories tonight. We're gonna. Why don't we start with the Children's Crusade and then we can move on to Cage after that. Cage. Yeah. Cage. Yeah. It's cage. Cage. Yeah, it's cage. cage! Yeah, there's, there's a exclamation point. Yeah. Respect the exclamation point, Stephen. Respect the exclamation. Wasn't that the tagline to the Triple X movies? Maybe? Respect the... I don't think so. I think it was just Vin Diesel's reading off of cute cards for this stupid <laughs> action-packed garbage fest. <laughs> I'm so happy he moved on to better, you know, more philosophical work. That explores the meaning of what it means to be familia. Pile <laughs> <laughs> of garbage. People try to sell me on those movies, and I'm like, ah, like, don't lie to me. It's about family. It's like, no, shut up. Just tell me it's about like action set pieces, and then maybe we'll watch it together. But don't try to tell me that it's anything more than that. I uh, I swear by those movies. Uh, those movies give me life. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> No, no movie makes me feel as much as those movies do nowadays. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Aldo, you're dead inside. <laughs> oh, oh, on so many levels. <laughs> Every time I sit down and I watch a Fast and Furious movie, I feel alive again. My heart beats. <laughs> Wait, every time you every time you sit down and watch a Fast and Furious movie, or every time you sit down, you watch a Fast and Furious movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, jeez. I would get one of those standing desks if I had the same problem. I'd be like, no way. 
yeah every time i sit down you know just on one of the million of devices i have it just auto- it just starts playing <laughs> fast and the furious is, 7 i'm right. so sorry yeah. so young avengers the children's crusade <laughs> is a is a, oh wait oh, i don't have oh i am not prepared i had this <laughs> I thought i thought i had this information ready the audience will never know how unprepared you actually are. Oh, well, they'll know because I'm saying it. I'm very unprepared. <laughs> he was giving you an out. He was going to edit. He was going to edit it out for you. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so Adventures: The Children's Crusade is a 2010 miniseries, or not miniseries? It's an event comic that revolves around the story of Wiccan and Speed, two of the young Avengers. I think founding members of the of the young avengers if my history reading was correct yes yes yeah and wiccan believes that they are the resurrected sons of the scarlet witch but nobody knows where the scarlet witch is because this takes place after house of m um actually takes place after a lot of pretty significant events i think like uh avengers disassembled the the um house of m i think there's a couple other things because Civil a lot War, uh, secret invasion, a lot of them do get name dropped. Yes, and a lot of them, like, not just name dropped, a lot of that, a lot of little things come into play into this book, which I was actually kind of impressed with. Uh, but it is, uh, it is a nine issue mean. It is nine issues, right? Or was it ten? I feel like it was nine. nine. I think it was nine with the uh, with the pre. No, no, it's it's nine. 10. It's ten. It's ten with the uh, with the bonus one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm super prepared, man. That's my power. <laughs> yeah. So it is written by uh, Alan Heimberg, uh, art or pencils by Jim Chung, and inks by Mark Morales, and colors by Justin Ponser, and lettering by Corey Pettit. Or Petit. I think it's Pettit, right? Not Petit. I think we've been I saying believe Pettit. It's Pettit. Yeah. I think we've said Pettit in the past. Right, and I think we've had this conversation every time his name has come up. Every Consistency time. is important. Also, <laughs> Speed didn't join uh, until issue 10 of Young Avengers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, related to a founding members, you know, that's a thing. So. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, so, so Children's Crusade starts out with... Uh, okay, so there's kind of a lot to set up here, right? Uh, <laughs> so the Young Avengers have been around for a while. Their current lineup is... Uh, is Stature, who is Cassie Lang, the daughter of uh, Ant-Man, uh, Scott Lang. Vision, who is uh, another iteration of Vision, who is this... This Vision is not based off of the the mind or brainwave patterns of uh, Wonder Man, but instead off of Nathaniel Richards, who the Nathaniel Richards that we see here is a different version of Kang, the Conqueror, who's like a younger version of him or something from an alternate timeline. Uh, he shows up halfway through here. Uh, then we also have Patriot, Patriot who's Eli Bradley, uh, who is the grandson of... Uh, uh, what, was the, what was the name of the original one? Um, Isaiah Bradley. Isaiah Bradley, thank you. Who we read about in uh, Truth, Red, White, and Black. Uh, then we also have uh, Kate Bishop, who is uh, currently Hawkeye, and actually the Hawkeye. She was granted the name or title of Hawkeye by Captain America in a previous story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mentioned she's the only Hawkeye, right? Even though Clint Barton is around. Yeah, yeah, he's around. Going by Hawkeye. Yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, I Clint. Well, I forgot. No, they do have the Hawkeye Hawkeye moment. Yeah. No, they do. Yeah, yeah. He shows up at one point, so 
But yeah, right, for a yeah. while there. When she became Hawkeye originally, he was dead. Yes. And then he showed up soon thereafter, but was going by Ronan. Yes, because That's part of the... Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then we had Speed and Wiccan, which I already mentioned, which are, which are the resurrected sons of the Scarlet Witch. We don't know that for sure yet. Right now we're just going on Inkling, but they also have different biological parents... And they only found out they were twins once they both joined the, the Young Avengers. That that we don't get told that here at all. Really. I mean, we get it in a bit of a flashback, yeah. Yeah. And then we have Hulkling, who is half Kree, half Scroll, and 0% Hulk. <laughs> yeah, isn't that annoying? It's it like, is. Yeah. It is, because... He's more like Hulk-like. A little bit, I guess. He's green and buff, but like... His powers don't come from anger. His powers, cause he's an alien, you know, like yeah. So and so, like the original children, the the original shows, Crusade, the original Young Avengers, uh, they formed because the Avengers had disbanded or maybe disassembled. I don't know if that's the storyline that caused that. They were kind of like fans of Avengers, is like the thing. Yeah, but but they all had similar powers to an Avenger or another. So like, yeah, they they modeled themselves off of that. So Hulkling was. Obviously, kind of based off of Hulk. Wiccan was the Asgardian. Nathaniel Richards, who is a, a future King the Conqueror, was Iron Lad, and that's how he shows up here. And there was another one. I can't remember who it was. I want to... Because I think it was four of them when they started out. Was it Cassie? <sighs> I think so. I think you're right. I don't know. I don't actually... Oh, no, no, no. It was, not, it, was, it was Eli. It, says, it was Eli. Yeah, Iron Lad, okay, so it was Hulkling, Patriot. Patriot, Wiccan. Okay. And then Hawkeye, like, put, like, everyone else, um, uh, Iron Lad chose everybody, but then Kate Bishop, um, like, introduced herself into the Young Avengers, it says here. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, so there's, like, a lot, uh, going on here, just in the setup, um, which, if you are like us and have been reading a lot of these books, uh, almost, I mean, almost by coincidence, we've read... We've read most of the required reading here. Yeah, I was I was surprised to find that out. I was like, oh, I know exactly what they're talking. About <laughs> yeah, exactly. They even brought up Jack of Hearts, and oh yes, man, yes, they did. <laughs> and I know how much you guys course. hate him, so you guys must have really liked his reappearance. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, so of part of the story. Okay, so part of the story here is uh, they're so Wick. So okay, so they're fighting a bunch of uh, like neo Nazis called like the. Some the sons of the serpent, mm-hmm. and Wiccan kind of goes uh, bananas, and he unleashes like extra power, and he knocks out everybody in the vicinity after they threaten. Oh yeah! By the way, <laughs> Wiccan is dating Hul- Hulkling, and right. and, and uh, they do not skip a single instance to let you know that they are dating. Well, just in case you flipped the page and forgot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, so so they're dating. They threaten uh, Hulkling, and like he goes, you know, extra rage mode and knocks everybody out. Uh, the Avengers confront them, and they're you know they're worried that they might have another. Oh, Wiccan goes extra rage mode. Yeah. Oh no, I said they threaten Hulk. Oh, okay, I see the misunderstanding there. <laughs> Who's telling the story anyway? <laughs> That, that that's this whole book in a nutshell. <laughs> I thought, oh no, my bad. That's actually the whole arc of the Avengers. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yes, especially this time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so Captain America, the other Avengers are kind of worried that uh, they might have another Scarlet Witch, and and by extension, another House of M or Day of M or whatever event. 
on their hands. So they kind of want to put Wiccan under like house arrest, uh, mostly just to like study him, just make sure that he's that he's cool and all. And uh, and he doesn't want to because he's he's pretty convinced that he's the resurrected son of of uh, of Scarlet Witch. Uh, he knows like the history of this of of kind of what happened with, with them being having been made by her and then getting fused to uh, some minor villain's hands and then being taken back by you know Mephisto. I love that they just glossed over that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know it's Marvel, so it's like whatever. It's what we're about, I guess. So so as they kind of break out Wiccan, uh, uh, so the, okay. So he's on house arrest along with Hulkling. Uh, the other young Avengers break them out because they're going to go search for... They said they're going to do this as a team. Uh, Magneto shows up and he's like, Hey, you are... You know, I'm here asking a bunch of children because I'm at the end of my rope and I cannot find my daughter. And I think you are uh, the key to finding her. So the... Uh, <laughs> The Avengers show up and they're like, hey, oh no, Magneto, oh no. And they start fighting and they're like, Wiccan is just like, all right, we got to go. So then they end up uh, to Mount Wondegore, I think. That's where they end up. I yeah. Do they go to Mount Wondegore or just Transia in general? I do think they go to Mount Wondegore briefly. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. They don't stick around there, though. No, they don't. They, they meet up with Quicksilver there who... Uh, Everybody threatens to kill Magneto, so I'm just going to say that now. So anytime I mention a new character, <laughs> just assume that they want to kill Magneto. <laughs> so they, that is reasonable. Yeah. So they bump into uh, Quicksilver, and uh, they, they, they think they found Wanda when Quicksilver accidentally kills her. Uh, turns out it's a Doom bot. <laughs> so then they figure that Doom has Wanda and is holding her uh, captive. He has kidnapped her is the word for that. So they decide they're going to go sneak into Latveria, but Wiccan decides to do it by himself. He he sneaks away in the middle of the night and finds Wanda, finds that she is now uh, an amnesiac, doesn't remember anything about her past, doesn't even have her powers, but she was part of uh, a village up in Transia that needed help with Doom. Doom recognized her and kind of was, you know, he was... He was being Doom. Like, on one hand, he was like, you know, she's dangerous, so, like, it's better if she's with me who can help her out because I am Doom, master of the magic and technology. But on the other hand, also, you know, she has access to, like, the life energy stream. I was going to call it the life stream, but that's very Final Fantasy, and I don't think that's the right <laughs> I think it's just, like, life force. The life force, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so then everybody shows up, and they start fighting... <laughs> Doom and Magneto. Uh, yep. And by everybody, I mean the Avengers, the rest of the Young Avengers, uh, Magneto, Quicksilver, Iron Lad. This is when Iron Lad shows up, who has come from the future, uh, because he. this is, a, I guess, a critical moment, which I will explain later, as this explained in a one-shot that's tied into this. Wiccan escapes with the Scarlet Witch, and they... Uh, and they travel, and, and oh yeah, it's the Wiccan, Scarlet Witch, and the rest of the Young Avengers escape. And with the help of Iron Lad, they travel back in time to kind of help Wanda witness some events, hoping that that'll trigger her memories. And they go back to when she uh, resuscitated, or she brought back Jack of Hearts for whatever reason. 
Oh, she brought back Jack of Hearts and turned him into a bomb, which exploded, and that's what kicks off Avengers Disassembled. Yeah, so that's what kicks off Avengers Disassembled. That's also what caused the death of Hawkeye, Ant-Man, and there was one more. The Vision. The Vision, that's correct. Thank you. Well, and Jack of Hearts, but who cares? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, who cares? <laughs> he was already dead. Uh, you guys, <laughs> you saw the last, if you listened to the last episode, you know exactly how the majority podcast feels about Jack of Hearts. <laughs> uh yeah yeah and so so vision obviously has come back because he's one of the young avengers which is also weird because i get it that he's based off of Nathaniel richard's thing but also he's like a, a man technically i guess i don't know what is a vision the ship of theseus oh, God. <laughs> i thought you were gonna say what is a vision a miserable pile of secrets <laughs> no. I thought you were going to go, am I a man or am I a Muppet? So. <laughs> am I a man? Am I a sensor? Oh, gosh. It's... These are all good. These are all good gags. Yeah. The vision of a man. Uh, so <laughs> so where, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so those two have come back, but uh, Scott has not... Scott Lang has not been able to be brought back, which is part of why, like, Cassie was supporting this whole endeavor to find Wanda because they're hoping that she can also bring him back. Uh, so when they go and they see the event of Jack of Hearts blowing up and killing all these people, uh, they end up back in the present. And it turns out that Ant-Man didn't die, but was still instead pulled out of time and to the future. So he never actually died. They did that on Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles, so that tracks. That's <laughs> yeah. thing. They skipped over her death by cancer by like, you know... You're gonna die in, in a few years, but but not if we leave 1999 and go to 20, 2007, whenever the show was. Anyway, yeah, Wiccan, right? right? Yeah, no, <laughs> this this book is a lot. <laughs> uh, actually, this move has a this book has a really fast pace. Um, yeah, I just want to point that out because I think we're only like like as 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 I'm summarizing summarizing all this up. I think we're only like an issue like six <laughs> out of nine. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So so Wanda starts to freak out because she remembers everything, so she's deciding that she's gonna pay for all her crimes. And then Wiccan tells her that the whole point of this whole thing was to tell her that, that he and Speed are, are her sons, to which she kinda realizes that they are. Which it kind of nobody makes any effort to like prove it. Like, not even a simple, like, ah, yes, I can feel, like, your magic and soul resonating or something. Some it's just a throwaway line would have been, I would have appreciated that. But, <laughs> like, nobody, they don't need to go to Mari. They just need to, something. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so she calms down. And she decides she wants to pay for, her, uh, she wants to try to do right now that she kind of has everything, her power and her magic and her memories back. So they find uh, Richter and a couple of the, the X-Factor, like, private investigators or something like that. Yep. And Rick and Richter volunteers to try to get his powers back. He does. Uh, Wanda is able to get those, uh, her power, his powers back. So they kind of want to start, like, this little journey where she's going to go do that. But before she can even pitch that idea on Shark Tank, uh, Scott Summers <laughs> pops in. Being the most Scott Summers Scott's has ever summered, and yeah. just wants to like take her and presumably kill her. Yeah, Wolverine straight up said 
he was going to. Wolverine said he was going to kill her as an Avenger, though. That's the crazy part. He was on the Avengers team, and then like when the X-Men show up, Wolverine's like, so I'm going to scoot over here, because still, they still want to kill her, and I definitely want to kill her. Um, oh, yeah, because the I, whole time Wolverine is part of this, and he, he's ready to kill Wanda, because he, you know, he's seen what has happened. Yeah. So when the Avengers tell him no, he just goes to the X-Men. He's like, maybe I could kill them as part of an event. That's the X-Men. Yeah. It's, Scott, yeah. Scott Summers reminds us that his real mutant power is being a wet blanket, so. <laughs> <laughs> Optic blacks, huh? The Ooh, only thing really Scott Summers kill. has killed mm. is his girlfriend and the vibe of the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice callback. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, so the X-Men are trying to kind of take Wanda as, uh, to kind of judge her and, and put her to trial, blah, blah, blah. The Avengers show up and they're like, no, we're going to do that. And then they both start fighting each other. Again. Again. (laughs) And again, the young Avengers are like, let's peace out because that's all they do in this. Yeah. So, yeah. So they peace out. They go to, to doom and the and wanda decides screw it i can't even like pitch it i can't even tell my uh, somebody my idea so we're just gonna do it doom and i are just and and wiccan we're just gonna all hold hands and 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 kumbaya the the powers to every mutant back (laughs) whatever so they do that eli bradley the whole time has been freaking out because he keeps thinking everything's a bad idea and you know on some levels he's right or at the bare minimum he's right to be skeptical because they're teaming up with Magneto they're going to Doom Uh, he feels that they should have listened to the Avengers and kind of hung back and let them kind of handle things but then the one time that he actually acts on his suspicion screws everything up yeah so he he kind of causes this this, uh, joint magic effort he interrupts it and Wanda loses uh, her connection to the life force Doom takes it and is kind of threatening to become Emperor Doom of the world. So everybody goes back to where the uh, the Avengers and the X-Men were fighting. Doom shows up as a giant. Uh, Ant-Man goes inside his head and tries to like give him an aneurysm. We think he dies because he gets splatted. And Cassie gets big and she tries to fight Doom and then dies. And... <laughs> And uh, I forgot what exactly they did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Wiccan and Wanda try to open up the, the portal to the Life Force again. And they use that kind of moment as uh, Doom tries to tap into it again to take his powers away from him or something. Kind of to give him too much, more than he can handle. You know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. The Life Force? Well, now you're going to drink from the fire hose. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. You know, like. Like and, that, the, and it works. Like the climactic battle to everybody's favorite Hulk movie, starring Eric Bana. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I've never seen that one. I, I saw serious? enough to go like, nope. Seen it. I want to see it. It's okay. Yeah, I want to be contrary. Oh. I want to like it when everybody else doesn't. <laughs> I like it. Gosh. I like it, but that's also because the, the, uh, the Hulk like flexes to break a dog's jaw that's biting him oh gosh <laughs> yeah exactly uh, <laughs> uh yeah okay so uh so cassie ties uh 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so okay, so she's dying. Nathaniel Richards, who is in love with her, uh, slash Kang, slash Iron Lad, uh, wants to take her out of time to a different, to the future to help her uh, get healed. But everybody's just like, hey, you know, we should just let it happen. Like, we just need to let things happen. We can't always time travel to fix things. Which is, like, the first sensible thing anybody has said this whole <laughs> comic run. <laughs> <laughs> So he gets angry, uh, he, he gets in a, in a verbal argument with Vision, and kills him, disassembles him, like, entirely, uh, he, you know, he gets, he gets angry and a little jealous with him, you know, says something like, hey, just because you're based off of my brainwaves, and like, my technology doesn't mean that if she loved, it means that if she loved you, it's because she loved me, and blah, 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 and then destroys him. Not just verbally or emotionally, but physically. You can't just time travel away from your problems. Oh, yeah? Watch me. And then he, 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 <laughs> and then he does. Yeah. Watch Iron Lad destroy Vision with facts and logic <laughs> and also his energy blasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then... Oh my God. I, this summary has been going on for like half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going to have to move on to the next book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway. So, so the Young Avengers disassemble... Uh, <laughs> And then, like, many months later, uh, as, as Hulkling and Wiccan finally make out, as they've been trying to do this whole book, they get interrupted by Carol, and they find out that Cassie and the Vision have been honored as official Avengers. Uh, the end. Also, we find out that uh, that Nathaniel Richards, uh, when he was time-hopping and trying to stop uh, the Kangs, or Kang in different timelines, uh, was tricked. By future young Avengers, who are no younger young, are just Avengers now, but are actually evil, and they have tricked them into going back in time uh, to pretty much make sure that everything that happened happens, uh, because that will be like a significant step in making him a future King the Conqueror. Yep. The end. Ha. Time travel, always a bad idea. I didn't mean to take so long with this, but I didn't want to gloss <laughs> over details. <laughs> Do you, do you know what type of book this is? What? Uh, what? This is the type of book where every time a character shows up, they say, Men call me Magneto. Oh my gosh, and their I was name gets say the that. special font. <laughs> every, every time. Every time, because it's like, Magneto, what? The Scarlet Witch, for real this time, what? Just kidding, but doom what now the avengers are pissed the avengers what and then the x-men wet blanket it's yeah very much that <laughs> and i'm not gonna lie i don't hate it as a storytelling convention i actually kind of like it it's hokey it's over the top but this is also you know a silly superhero comic i do not mind it if it dabbles in that sort of thing from time to time it uh literal page turner you know doing it that way um it, it keeps you interesting and it does move things along really well. Um, I do, I, I was kind of annoyed by the repeat of things are happening. The Avengers want to help. The young Avengers are like, I don't think so. And they leave. Someone else wants to help. They're like, no, nah, let's get out of here. Someone else wants to help. No, nah, let's get out of here. And basically all they do is like, this should be the runaways. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, kind of. I think, yeah, I think there's a, there's a significant part of this book of like, the young Avengers just kind of want to do their thing. They don't. They just yeah. want to be trusted to be able to handle the situation. But n but either nobody trusts them or nobody wants to let them do things the way they want to. Everybody's want. Every adult wants to call the shots or have a secret agenda or they want to do something with them, but not necessarily let them do the thing. Yeah. Right. 
there's there's so much of superhero storytelling, especially at Marvel Comics at around this time period, where the problem is the heroes don't talk to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like just talk. Just talk. You're on the same side. You want the same thing. There's no reason for you to be fighting. It gets very frustrating. Yeah. yeah. There was actually, okay, so there's a line. I don't remember if this was like eight issue eight or issue nine. This is one of the last things that I marked. Uh, Wanda is hugging Simon and she's like, you know, trying to talk about what she, what's her next step, which I, whatever. I don't care about Wonder Man, oh, but he does say something I, really cool. Did I even <laughs> mention that Wonder Man showed up in here? I don't think you I did. Yeah, just that he this. was like, you know, the vision was based on him, but yeah. Nothing yeah, he's an Avenger. He's he's running around more or less with the Avengers, but kind yeah. of not at the same time. Anyway, Wonder Man is, to, is talking to Wanda, and Wanda's like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. My entire life I've been an Avenger. And Wonder Man says, you're better off without them. Believe me, the Avengers used to be a family. Now it's an army. Mm-hmm. And one you don't want any part of. And it's like, that's true. <laughs> From what I remember of this era of Marvel Comics, the Avengers are all about that, like, uh, getting in fights, being violent. And it's not necessarily, like, superheroes fight. That's a thing they do, right? But, like, the Avengers go out yeah. of their way to seek it out. I do think, and not to get super meta about this, but adding Wolverine to the Avengers turns it into that kind of story. Like, Wolverine has the ability to to be the type of character that has a lot of character development, has a lot of concern for people, isn't just about killing people. But I feel like Wolverine with the Avengers is all about that violence. Let's fight rather than sit around here talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's like, yep, we're going to kill her. Going to kill her. That is a thing that is going to happen. Make peace with it. That's like his whole his whole thing in this. Um, I'm so glad you said men call me Magneto because that kept popping into my head every time there was like a new like you'll never guess who's behind this door you know it just kept happening I was just like aha Magneto or you yeah, know whoever it happened time. to be um, I uh, I think I'll give this team another shot I think I was I was um, there was like a different iteration of Young Avengers that was annoying and I can't I gotta, I gotta look it up because um, they were like a different, they were a slightly different makeup, and they were. Um, I gotta, I gotta see which, which other team that was because they were, they were not as cool. <laughs> like they yeah. had, who is it? Um, it's like Hazmat is one of them, and I'll look it up. Never mind. Yeah, you guys. Hazmat. Whoa. Um, it's a different team of like young heroes. Anyway. So one of the things that that was pretty interesting is the person that wrote this. So, so they created the Young Avengers. Uh, you know the the original storyline for that where they where they formed and thus you know returned to do the the sequel. Uh, I mentioned them at the beginning. Alan Heimberg. Alan Heimberg also works for TV and movies a lot. Uh, he did the screenplay for the for the 2017 Wonder Woman movie. Huh. And he did. He's also working on the on the Sandman uh, Netflix live action thing that's supposed to be coming out at some point in time, as well as worked on. Uh, wrote episodes for Gilmore Girls. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Which episodes? I don't know. It just Which says written season? by. Oh, I'm gonna have to look at that. Some of us like the Gilmore. I Girls. like the Gilmore Girls. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> oh, majority of the podcast likes the uh, Gilmore not, Girls. It's not for me. It's apparently for everyone else, though. But it's not for me. 
but yeah, so so I thought, I, I think I don't know. I, I think Alan Heinberg's ability to or or experience with writing television really comes into play here uh, because it has kind of the pacing. It has a very like brisk episodic pace, right? Like I feel like every epi- every issue accomplishes something. I don't think this book ever really kind of takes the time to like slow down, um, which I, at some points I it felt a little like not great because I, I think this book maybe would have benefited from a little bit of time to breathe. But at the same time, I kind of appreciated that the book was a little no nonsense. Um, and it just it was just like we have a story to tell. We're telling that story. We're, we're moving through it. Yeah. Um, the story, I have some grievances with the story. Uh, kind of, I, I feel like we've talked about this before, but this is a story that is all about fixing continuity. Like, we don't like what these other storytellers did, so we're going to say that what they did is wrong, and we're going to change it so it was a different thing. M-Day wasn't caused by the Scarlet Witch, it was caused by Doom. Doom was responsible for all of it. There's this bit where Doom confesses to it, right? Yep. Um, and... The Scarlet Witch didn't, like, not have kids. Her kids weren't, like, illusions or brought about by her magic power. Their souls existed, and now their souls were born in these other people. And this sort of storytelling can work really well. Um, I didn't love it here. Some aspects of the story I really like. Like, the, the characters of the Young Avengers, I liked them a lot. I want to see them written now that we're a little bit less uh, insecure about, like, homosexuality. Because, again, you've got, you know, Hulkling and Wiccan who are, like, every page. It's like, hey, hey, we're the gay ones. And it's like, okay, but what else is <laughs> yeah, that now? Like, get more into your characters. Every, yeah, every time they talk about each other, they're like, what are you doing about my boyfriend? He's like, stop it or my boyfriend will beat you up. My magic boyfriend. My Hulk boyfriend. It's not to say that that's, like... Bad, especially given when these stories came out. I feel like this was some really much needed representation. Um, and it's it's well meaning. It's a little cringy by today's standards. That's yeah, it. yeah. I mean, my, my gripe with it is the same gripe I have with with right with uh, uh, with straight couples that do that. <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, the if you read the Avatar comic books by Jin uh, Yuang. Yeah, Jin Yang. Uh, uh, Aang and Katara do that, like, a lot. Yep. Uh, and, yep. and Sokka calls him out on it, and I was just like, this is why I continue to believe Sokka's the best character. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so, so my problem Toph is that exists, the okay. one thing, it's it's just, it's just, uh, come on. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to call them my boyfriend every other, but you can call them my darling, my sweet, my partner. I don't know. You can do. There's other names, words you can use apart from my boyfriend. <laughs> it's uh, it's Avengers Academy. I don't like. Ah. Oh, okay. I've never. Read, I've actually been curious about that one. I've never read it. Uh, I liked uh, Avengers Arcade, where they, where it's you know, Hunger Games. Arcade traps them all, and they, he makes them fight to the death. Mm. Um. It's like let's get Avengers Academy and let's get some uh, two of the Runaways and a couple other people they have all all mixed in. Um, that was interesting, but I you know, but also it's you know it was like straight up like they were just doing Hunger Games with these characters, but um, they have weird powers and stupid outfits and I don't like them. 
<laughs> like it's it comes down to that where it's like ah like hazmat's okay and the rest of them like it's just it's dumb but anyway yeah i think and i think i do i, I mean i do agree with steven in that i'm not like an, a fan of kind of the uh what are, like janitorial work right like all the fixing yeah. everything else i like quite a bit like the actual journey that wiccan is kind of going through i i like that yeah Everything else? I mean, mostly. All right. <laughs> like, this is the first story that we've read in a long time where I don't like what they do with Doom. Yeah. There's... I don't know how much of that is just character preference. Like, I prefer the character to be different. Than this. I mean, that's that's fine. I he, he really does just play the role of the villain, but not like... He doesn't play the role of Doom. He plays the role of, of yeah the villain. That Like, this story just needs... A villain and and they decided it was Doom for for shock value, but he doesn't act. He, yeah, it's very very vanilla Doom. Yeah, so like, I, I get M0. that. Yeah, I like Scarlet Witch in here. I thought she was yeah. Thought yeah. she was well, well done. I I think there. I I do think that the character of the Scarlet Witch gets done dirty by House of M and Avengers Disassembled, and. As much as I don't like the janitorial work, I do like that this is the story that kind of puts her on the path to being, like, a messy hero, but a hero, again. Um, it does kind of suck because, yeah, she is responsible for hundreds of deaths and some really unfortunate life-changing events, and there's no, like... The narrative does not give her the opportunity to try to actually make that right. Like, it goes out of its way to deprive her of that ability, which is a choice that I don't necessarily agree with. But the arc she goes on, her willingness to step up and say, hey, you know what, I need to be responsible for all of this, um, that's really good stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what did you guys think about the art? Top notch. I really liked good. it. Very clean. Um, there weren't any moments where it was like well that that's just slop like it was really um uh what was the word i'm looking for good um, <laughs> <laughs> the craftsmanship you could see that it was really well done you know um i didn't feel like there were ever any cheats uh, as far as like you know putting in the putting in the characters um one of the covers it kind of looks like Scarlet Witch has a really big boob, and then the other one is Wiccan's head, so it's like, it was a little awkward. <laughs> but that's you know that's nitpicky. I, I have to admit that there was a there's a particular panel that I really like about uh, of Wanda in here, which uh-huh. is like on book on on chapter or I guess uh, book three, I guess page twenty one, which is the one where she knocks down Wiccan and she's like stepping on him, and we just kind of get like the big pulled back frame. Of her stepping on on him and just being like, "Who are you? What are you doing in my room?" Um, and then like the panel below that is like her looking down on him. I think that's a really good introduction to the character to show where she is at, like the body language, the body. I guess the character acting in that page, it's just really good to show that she's not that she's not a a kidnappy, right? She's not a victim in. I guess in the context of what's happening in the book at this point in time, she's very much in charge of her situation 
and the kind of the character acting that happens there, I think is absolutely top notch because they don't need to spell it out for you, right? Like it's just I think that the pose and like the kind of the way the character is, is done is like just really well done. It's it's dramatic. They kind of make it a moment by making the the uh, yeah that panel look that way. It's it's like ta da! Like here she is. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was just I was really impressed. Um, and then obviously like uh, two pages later, it's it's Doom arriving into the into the room. <laughs> yeah. With dramatic fire Where hands, Doctor Doom, and like all of their all of the uh, character text, like the Doctor Doom looks more of like the era when Doctor Doom first appeared too. So yeah. Also, how gross would it be to find your mom in this outfit? Like, I get that they're all superheroes and everything, but like she's wearing like a she's wearing a corset under this like Doom cloak, you know. But but it is a cool pose. She's like, who are you and what are you doing in my room? Okay, but it's not like. I mean, would you rather would you rather see your mom in that outfit or like in the regular Scarlet Witch outfit? Fair. Depends on which regular Scarlet Witch outfit. Or yeah, the, the one in this book. Like the, okay, because <laughs> this one's fine. There, there is, I and mean, we've talked about this before. I think when we read Ultron Unlimited, there is a Scarlet Witch outfit that was specifically designed to make it obvious that there's no way she's actually wearing underwear. Oh right, yeah. Yeah. So this outfit's fine. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just saying, capes, capes are functional, and, <laughs> and I think we need to, I, I think we need to uh, allow them in modern day, everyday fashion. I like what Wiccan has, where it's kind of like, you know, kind of almost like a like a heavy scarf, you know, look. That's a good look. I, I think Wiccan is a, a poncho. Cool, cool costume. Wiccan has such a good costume. I really like Wiccan's. costume. Thank you. Yeah, I forgot to mention. That. I love his costume. It's super simple. <laughs> What's with his headband? Is that a th- is that like a thing? Like, or is it just? I just think I just think Wiccan is really into Naruto. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. Gosh. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, I mean, it's like, 2010. Like, he's right? 16. He's it's, it's, that perfect. Does, that does perfect track. Yeah, Dude, okay. I bet these guys are all into Naruto except for Kate. No, uh, Kate. Kate would be too too good for that kind of thing. I don't think Eli Bradley would be into into Naruto. I do. Or do you think he's more of a Dragon Ball guy? I think he's more of a Bleach guy. Oh, don't put that on him. <laughs> um, really good colors. We've talked about Justin Ponser before. He he has like these really delicious candy colors. I just and really good work with lighting that shows a lot of like texture and gradation on people's faces. Uh, yeah, very very good colors. One formal thing in the book that I don't like, uh, it's, it happens all the time, and the minute I noticed it, I couldn't not notice it. Um, characters will be talking, you'll have a bunch of word balloons, and then there will be one isolated word balloon that goes off the edge of the panel, you don't know who's talking yep. until you go to the next panel, or sometimes the next page. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that gets that gets frustrating from time to time because it's like I don't know it's it's confusing. You want to know who's talking, and the whole like I heard a voice behind me and I turned to see who it was. Like I don't know that that is a storytelling technique that works in comics super well. 
every now and again, it's it's cool to end on a like, oh my gosh, Magneto showed up. But the third or fourth time they did it in this run, I was like, come on, you know, like who's not here? Like we have, every it's you know the X Men showed up, the Avengers showed up, Doom and, and Magneto show up, and it's it's in yeah, it, it got a little played out. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to see if uh, Wiccan's Wiccan's helmet hat headband it's almost like gambits kind of get up you know like the hair comes out but everything else is covered kind of yeah oh speed is not great i don't like the character speed i never have it's it's like okay you're exact you're just a young quicksilver like there's nothing and like that's kind of a problem with the young avengers is it's you know they're young versions of like it's all the same kind of power sets but then you can do you know interesting stuff with them, I think like Hulkling and uh, Wiccan. That that's interesting, but like, yeah, speed. I'm like, I I do not care. I I do not care. This is the pettiest thing I'm gonna say about the whole book, and then <laughs> like I will be done nitpicking. Um, at one point, Star- Scarlet Witch is talking about how she deserves to die for what she's done, and then Beast comes in and says, which begs the question: What if you undo it? That is not what begs the question means. That's what everybody says, but that's not what begging the question actually is. I had this pointed out to me uh, one time, and now I notice it everywhere. So, give us an example. (laughs) Yeah, so begging the question is an argumentative fallacy where um, the conclusion is assumed to be true in the argument's premise. So, an example of begging the question would be... um, Murder is always morally wrong, therefore abortion is morally wrong. I'm 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 cheating a little bit because I'm pulling up Google. I, I have a hard time explaining begging the question. <laughs> the problem with that example is that it assumes that abortion is murder. That's an assumption. You have to actually establish that point if you're going to make that argument. And so, like, uh, if you're familiar with wait, wait, don't tell me the the NPR comedy game show about the news that's hosted by Peter Sagal. I follow Peter Sagal on Twitter, and he makes a big stink about begging the question and making sure it's used appropriately because it happens all the time, especially among politicians. Politicians beg the question a lot in their talking points, and we need to be able to talk about it so that we can point it out when it happens. Ah. And Beast would know this! <laughs> he is he is very smart and a little pedantic, so... <clears throat> Well, I'm ready to move on to the next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, once once we get through my begging the question rant, I don't have anything else to say about this book. It's uh, really, really great um, art and coloring and lettering and all of that. Uh, very, very clean look. Very good look. I uh, had no complaints with that. But um, it, it, I think there was there was good stuff in there. But yeah, little few little tweaks, and it could have been more interesting. Most of the Young Avengers team just it feels like they're along for the ride. You know, this this is Wiccan's story with a few supporting characters, and the rest of them like, you know, Patriot does nothing until he screws stuff up, and so it's like, why? What are you even here for? Also, there was not enough Kate Bishop for my liking, but. Can't have everything. True. Absolutely needs more Kate Bishop. We get the one moment where it's Hawkeye, Hawkeye, um, which kind of foretells what's going to come with the character, but it's not there yet. Yep. Um, Speaking of, like, really good-looking comics, let's talk about Cage real quick. Yeah. So Cage was written and drawn by 
Gendy Tartakovsky, inked by Stephen DeStefano, colors by Scott Wills, letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, this is quite the weird little story. So Cage, Luke Cage, uh, strolling around in uh, New York in 1977, busting up crime, goes to meet Misty Knight for a date, and she doesn't show up. So he goes out to look for her and winds up getting involved in this this weird plot where all of the different superheroes are getting captured and taken to this island where they are forced into a uh, fighting tournament that is being run by the mysterious Professor Seuss. S-O-O-S. Yeah, so it's it's pretty much Enter the Dragon. It's pretty much Enter the Dragon, but the villain is a Dr. Seuss analog. Like, he speaks in rhymes and looks like the Grinch. I was going to say he's like the island of Dr. Moreau with all the animal experiments. But yeah, the, I, I'm really embarrassed that I didn't catch Seuss and his rhymes until just now. Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, Seuss was short for Jesus. Was, Seuss is what then one of the characters from Gravity Falls. And, uh, yeah, my four-year-old daughter and <laughs> I do great. impersonations back and forth of Seuss, and it's hilarious. Okay, okay, dudes, hearing a four-year-old do it, do it, uh, that voice is is a riot. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I just I just thought about, uh, what's his name, Alex Hirsch, like, yeah. calling the, oh the Rudy Giuliani. Uh, that was so funny. Yeah, I I want to I want to call I want to speak to Rudy Giuliani. I saw I saw this guy outside the campaign office going rubble rubble. I think he was trying to steal hamburgers. I think it was Antifa. That's <laughs> that's what it was. I forgot what the like the punchline. Oh that gosh. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, Cage, um, issue two is him on the island and he like gets drugged and most of issue two is just like him on this, this acid trip. (laughs) Uh, it's wild. Anyway, issue three is where we get the fight. All of the different superheroes. You've got Misty Knight is there. Iron Fist is there. Dazzler is there. Ghost Rider is there. They all lose their fights. Cage is the only one who wins and that gets him the opportunity to get in a fight with Professor Seuss uh, who really does a number on him. Eventually, though, he's able to turn it around and win, and all of the heroes go home, and that's the end of the story. It's a very simple story. Oh, and then there's a surprise party at the end for for uh, Luke Cage, where all the heroes show up and give him cake. <laughs> Cage cake. Yeah. Oh, and Brother Voodoo was there on the island, too. Yeah. I was like, there's somebody else who... Yeah. It was Brother Voodoo. But also... Like, how are you going to do a, a Kung Fu Island tournament and Iron Fist gets taken out in the first round? He took too long charging up his Iron Fist. But yeah. <laughs> it's felt we'll, we'll go back and we'll read the um, Fraction, Bendis, Aha, um, uh, Iron Fist where it's uh, like a tournament. St- Did we read that? Oh, shoot. We, I don't think we've read that. Oh, uh, I just got so excited. That's oh, one of my favorite one. comics. Uh, love it. Anyway, we're not talking about that one. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this. What did you guys think of Cage? The whole time I read it, and it was like, I think maybe 10 minutes it took me to read these four comics. Like, the Shaft theme song was playing in my head. That's the kind of vibe that I got, (laughs) that it was going for. It was just like, Yeah, it does have a very exploitation feel to it. Yeah. 
It was, I loved it. It was a lot of fun and it didn't take itself too seriously, but like did what it was doing really well. Um, the panels where he's tripping out were really cool, where it was just cage written and he's like all bent up and the colors were really exciting. Um, uh, I like Tartakovsky's uh, character design, you know, like Samurai Jack <laughs> and the Clone Wars. Um, Gendi, it's funny that, cause, like, that he goes by Gendi because I keep wanting to say Gennady because that's what his Russian name is. And I was like, found that out tonight, like confirmed, like, oh, it was Gennady. But like it, to simplify things, since he's, you know, moved to America, it's just Gendi. So hmm. I think Gennady's easier to say, actually. I think so, too. But, you know, that's not how it's spelled anymore, or at least not in English. But yeah. Right. Um, now I want to go back and watch Samurai Jack because, yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah, okay, so definitely drawing on, like, black exploitation tropes, right? Really weird to have this, you know, written by this, you know, Russian expatriate who's dabbling in all of these black exploitation tropes, and, like, the whole time that I'm reading this, I'm loving the art. I love the art. I love the art all the way through, but there's this little voice in the back of my head that's like, is, is this racist? That's that's where I'm like, well, I don't think I'm allowed to say, but it'd be good to <laughs> ask someone to tell me, like, yeah, yeah. I I have a problem with black exploitation. As much as I love it, like, some some of my favorite movies are black exploitation movies, not created by black people, uh, <laughs> i.e., uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I I I don't know. I I I. I don't know and i don't know who the right person to ask is because this is clearly like an ode to a very specific type of storytelling from a very specific time uh and so it's like some of the some of the asian caricatures on dr seuss i to me felt like they were racist caricatures but they don't feel like they're intentionally malicious um so it's, it's, it's one of those things yeah. where I, I don't know. This book doesn't feel malicious, but they are drawing from things that do have malicious origins. Yeah, it's you know, like specifically going for this kind of, you know, like this style, not not for, you know, any problematic things about it, but, um, you know, telling this type of story this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did go and look for reviews from like creators of color um from from black writers uh i found one and i'm trying to find it again i didn't write down the name of the blog and it's i i can't find it so that's embarrassing um this writer this writer wasn't too high on it um because not because the the character designs were racist or anything like that, but because there's not enough wit that went into this black exploitation story to avoid that, and so some of the characterizations wound up looking more racist. I'm really doing a bad job of representing this argument, <laughs> but because there's not enough of like an understanding of what makes black exploitation work and not enough building on slash subverting of the old tropes. It, it winds up not having a whole lot to offer. It does Misty Knight fairly dirty. Yeah. She's, she doesn't really have a whole lot to do except for like, you know, having her, um, bionic arm like, Ooh, bitten. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, Charles Pulliam Moore, who uh, currently, I think, writes for io9, has a blog uh, where he talks about Cage, and he's like, I'm not sure Gendy Tartakovsky was the right person to do this. Again, kind of for the same reason. It's like, you're, you're dealing with black exploitation, but you're not getting the voice of someone who, like, is actually affected by this genre. And I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah. And that's, like, it doesn't necessarily take away from the stuff that I did enjoy about this book, which was some of the sense of humor. Uh, not so much the the sense of humor, like, the, the Professor Seuss character I thought was not great. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the gags were, like, Cage sees some kids playing street ball, and he does a slam dunk, and he breaks the hoop, and he's like, well, gotta go, and just leaves the kids with a busted <laughs> basketball hoop. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, Scott, like, freaking out at Cage and shooting him with an optic blast, only to be reminded that Jean Grey isn't around anymore, <laughs> he just gets all mopey. Like, those gags are great. Oh, yeah, and then Wolverine and Nightcrawler just look at Cage as he's falling out the like, window. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I took a picture, I took a screen grab of Cage getting bitten by a snake, and then he punches the snake so hard that his eyeballs pop out. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's such good stuff in here. I kind of wish this was any character other than Cage. Not because I don't like the character of Luke Cage, but because I don't think Gendy Tartakovsky should be telling this story. I think, and I, and I think there's a specific thing I want to, I, I don't know, I, I guess I want to put my foot on. And it's that I absolutely love Tartakovsky's art, and I think, I think I would feel less unsure about this book if it if it was a different writer, but still Tartakovsky doing the art. Absolutely, yeah. I think you would see different things. Like, for one thing, you'd have somebody there to say, um, um, the the guy that you had Cage yank out of the prison cell. Uh, you might want to rethink that design because that's a little, that's a little, you're, you're dabbling in some stereotypes there. Just, just somebody to pull him back a little bit when he's, you know, dealing with things that he doesn't really understand. But leave him there for like this scene where Iron Fist is getting in a fight with the guy, uh, with the monkey, and the monkey smacks him in the face and you see that Iron Fist has like billions of teeth. Like that one image is so good. Ugh. The art's good. Just yeah, this that's that's honestly my main criticism. I think this is a really good story. Um the character designs are great. I love the way he draws Dazzler. Just Tartakovsky shouldn't have written this. I do I do like the bit where the where they're all thinking about uh kind of getting ready for the tournament. But then when we cut to Dazzler, uh her cage is just super bright. <laughs> <laughs> um oh and the gag where Professor Seuss is relating his backstory and he's got like these big word balloons that are full of dialogue, but Cage talks over it and you've got another word balloon on top of it. That's just Cage <laughs> saying, I'm serious, man. I don't want to hear your story. It's a good gag. That, that gave me uh one punch man, uh, vibes. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I, I like the, I, I don't know. It's such a st- stupid, simple joke, but I like the idea of just like people not putting up with hearing the the villain monologue <laughs> yeah no i i was it was like no yeah fine i'll read the terms and conditions whatever i don't really care let's just move this along that's kind of what it felt like you know he's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit through this <laughs> um do we have anything else to I, say about I, this I, book i don't think so i mean i i like i like the energy of the book 
Yeah. I like the energy. I like the art. I like the coloring. Um, it, the, that psychedelic issue. So the, this is the second time that I've read Cage. The first time I read it, um, I got to the psychedelic issue and felt cheated. Honestly, this time though, when I got to that, I'm like, uh, no, this is good actually. <laughs> Does it go on a bit too long? Maybe. Is it pretty? Heck yeah. Yeah. No, I enjoyed this. It was, you know, very different from other stuff. And, um, you know, anything that makes me want to watch Samurai Jack is going to be good. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad we added this book. <laughs> Do we go to ranking? Now? I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, well, if anybody else has anything else to say, let's say it. But I feel like this is the quickest we have ever made it through talking about a single story. There's not much to really cover. It's It was, like, good, possibly par- problematic. Check, done. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if I, I don't know. Like, there's stuff I, I feel that, like, it does really well. But it's also, I feel like, I don't know. That's just kind of what you get when you sign up for with Gendy Tartakovsky, which is, like... You got some pretty pretty good uh, choreography. Some pretty interesting fights. I don't know what to say for you there, Chief. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go to the ranking then. <laughs> Best of the... Okay, so currently on our list, we have 141... Story. I think the best of the best is currently being gatekept at number 27 by Runaways Volume 1. That's like everything above there is just like, that's the really good stuff. Yep. The worst of the worst doesn't really begin still until about, um, gosh, 128 is Marvel Zombies 3. There's a bunch of stuff above that that's that's not super great, but the really bad stuff doesn't really start until about 128, right? Yeah, there's a lot of meh from like, I don't know. I'll just say number 90 on Mary Jane Homecoming. Some people like no, it. No, 91. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what 91 I think, is. Mary Jane Homecoming is great. I think the Children's Crusade belongs somewhere between 27 and 50. And I'm saying closer to 50. But that's that's my opening opening bid is somewhere in the, hey, not bad. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I feel like the uh, not bad section is a little lower than that potentially. But I don't know. Like I, I have to, I have to kind of stop myself. And is my problem with the Children's Crusade that I don't like it, or is it my problem with it that it is so interwoven with events that I don't like, I, like House of M? <laughs> you know, here's here's the thing that that ties into kind of my hesitation with putting it up so high, because my I, I like this book, and I think as a standalone story. It does a pretty good job, right? There's not a bunch of tie-ins. Like the, the 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 story that's being told is is all here, but also uh, the amount of homework that this book requires is pretty massive. Oh. So much homework. But it is. I mean, if you have a passing knowledge of Marvel, you're gonna know at least one or two of these. You know. Yeah, everybody's gonna. Know I, I would House hope. Of M. I would hope, but you know. I don't know if that's true anymore. Cause when did House of M come out? Two thousand eight. We, we read it. 2005? Crap. House of M is 16 years old. Like... I guess Avengers <laughs> vs. X-Men is 10 years old. Right. And so it's like, how many people coming into comics nowadays know House of M? Well, they know about it from it's... the Wikipedia articles. Yeah. Or our podcast. <laughs> yeah. We've been telling them. 
Find out more about House of M. Listen to episode 15 of our podcast. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't, I, I think I would put it below 50, um, but never, I would, it would never go down to, like, the bad or even the mediocre section of the list. Um, if nothing else, uh, the art and the coloring, I think, keep it pretty high. Well, that's the thing is, like, we just read Kang Dynasty, and that only made it to 53, and is this better than Kang Dynasty? Like, I don't know. It's It was a tighter story, but I think that's more of the era that it was written in more than anything else, so that's it's tricky. Yeah. Um, tighter story versus higher highs. Like, Kang Dynasty was too long, but Captain America did turn into a giant and fight a giant holographic Kang in outer space. And, and Kang did ride his giant flaming space sword ship into the atmosphere on fire and then after crash landing, challenged Captain America to a sword fight. I think I would rather read um, the Children's Crusade again over the Kang Dynasty just because it would go faster. But the high points of Kang Dynasty are better than anything in Children's Crusade, and I don't know how to weigh that necessarily. Because yeah, the, the high points in Chil- Children's Crusade are just like the name drops every other issue of whoa. Um, okay then, fine. I, I fine. would I would at bare minimum put this above Craven's Last Hunt, just because I, I like I, Craven's Last Hunt better than this. Really? <laughs> I like Thor's. Yes. I like Thor's Battle World better than this. But, I definitely like Thor's Battle World be- better than this. And that's fifty nine. Um, Moon Knight. Moon Knight was number sixty one. Like Moon Knight was okay, but nothing like crazy. Um, like I'm happy with pretty much anything in this in this territory. Honestly, I think the the fifties to maybe the low sixties is where this goes. Then I, I mean, based just on me liking Thor's Battle World better, I would put it at, at sixty. But it's, I want to put the art and the coloring and like, you know, all of the, the, um, the look of it higher, but it's like this, this is like, you know, wedged between other big events and, you know, some of it is kind of like, oh yeah, it was was doomed the whole, doom's real bad, it was doomed the whole time, you know, some of, there's some of that in there, so that, that hurts it, um, it was Dr. Doom all along. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just a no. Just a no. TikTok. You know, I went from loving that song to hating it because of TikTok. <laughs> that is fair. the one thing that TikTok, TikTok has ruined for me. I, I'm sure there's more if you keep looking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. I think that we're in the right spot of the list because, like, number 58 is A-Babies versus X-Babies. And the reason that's as high as it is is because of the art. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I think we're kind of in the, the section of the list that's like, it's fine. The art's real good, though. All right. Uh, 60, then? Let's do it. Yep. All right. Um, now let's move on to ranking Cage. I want to put that around where... This is where I'm going to say... I don't remember where this is. I want to put that around where the Demon Bear saga is. Because it kind of reminds me of the Demon Bear, where it's, like, really good, potentially problematic, though, so you can't really... Uh... Okay, 74. Yeah. That's that's about where I want to put this. Again, just because it's, like, it's good, but... Yeah. There's, like, an asterisk where, like, we, this this is either done... 
just right or it's it's it crosses a line for some people and so um you know go in knowing that but i don't know i, I want to hope that like it, it it's done with respect and it feels like it right it doesn't feel like there's you know any any i don't know it feels like it's an homage it's 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 all done on purpose with love you know i don't know that it's done with like i don't know not it's not done with like reverence but it's not done maliciously it's done as like i think like you said it's an homage yeah it's a playful homage play bosh it's a playful homage by somebody who's out of their depth like i i I just can't get over the fact that i i don't believe that tartakovsky was the right person to do this um because and, and, and again, it's like, some of this is, is definitely, you know, me trying to understand someone else's experience. Um, and so, like, I've definitely, like, informed my opinion by reading, like, Charles Pulliam Moore and then this other blog that I can't find where they made the point that Tartakovsky's playing with a trope that he doesn't really understand. Um, but this was also my response. Like, I remember the first time I read this, like, this is, this is a little... Hmm? So I don't know. That's that's my pitch is to put it um, around seventy four, which is where the I, I'd probably put it at seventy six because I like the demon bear a little bit better than same. Oh, see, I was but, I was the opposite of that one because I think I think this is a more enjoyable read than the demon bear. Oh gosh, it's, it's like you're asking me to compare Bill Sienkiewicz's art to Gendy Tartakovsky's art. They're so different. Yeah, they're they're both major athletes in different sports. Oh my gosh. Uh, which sport do you like better then, I guess, is what it comes down to, right? Yeah, whatever Tartakovsky's swinging at. <laughs> Presumably <laughs> baseball, because I said swinging. But, I mean, that's just me, though. If you, guys, if you guys would prefer to put Demon Bear above, that's fine. Yeah, I would put Demon Bear above just because I believe that... Nothing called love. Sienkiewicz's art works better in comics than Tartakovsky's does. Not that Tartakovsky's art is bad. His best work is in animation, though, not here. Yeah, I think his best, like, I don't know, choreography, which is something I, th- I feel he does really well. Um, his best choreography, I, th- I, th- I think, still is in the in the Clone Wars miniseries. They, those, which I still haven't seen. Which it's, really. it's, it is Plus. coming to Disney+. Yeah, Plus. good, because I've seen some of it, and every bit that I saw, I was like, okay. It's, this, it's like this an so hour long, the, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, super cool. The Mace Windu episode is Jeff Hands. <laughs> Jeez. So, John, what are you thinking? Yeah, same seventy six, right after Demon Bear. Oh, I put, I just put it there. <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure that John hadn't changed his mind. So, yeah, it's good that it's there. What are we reading next time, Stephen? Yeah. So next time, uh, technically, next time is our two year anniversary it's special. Three year. Three-year anniversary special. How Next dare year, you ten forgot? Years anniversary special. You, you forgot a whole year. A whole year, Stephen. <laughs> to be fair, the past year has been ridiculous. Oh, it felt like five. I'm surprised it's only three years when you look at it that way. Yeah, so we're not going to do much to, like, celebrate necessarily just because it's COVID. We're busy. <laughs> There's a lot that's been going on. We're at the tail end of everything, hopefully. Hopefully. We are going to commemorate, though, by reading some, I would say, fitting stories 
Uh, we're gonna re- it's it's gonna be a Spider-Man double feature. <laughs> Don't apologize. We know who we are. We're gonna start by reading the the Amazing Spider-Man uh, issues five thirty-two through five thirty-eight. This is the tie-in to the Civil War event, which you know our name, the podcast name, comes from the Civil War comic event. So, are you serious? <laughs> what? <laughs> Although we've been doing this for three years now. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> um, and then the second story that we're going to read is a more recent affair from 2019. It's a five-issue Spider-Man miniseries. Uh. Written by J.J. Abrams. What's in the box, Spider-Man? What's in the box? The mystery box. (laughs) So that's Spider-Man 2019, issues 1 through 5. Yeah, I just look for the big spidery J.J. Abrams on the cover. The most mysterious looking Spider-Man you can can find. (laughs) Watch out for that lens flare. I was going to say, thankfully Sarah Pacelli doesn't draw a lens flare. (laughs) <laughs> Guys, we need to read more contemporary, like recent comics. I get, I, like, I'm so lost. Well, how about in three months we read The King in Black? <laughs> yeah, I want to read King in Black, and I'm trying to stay away from all news about it. So, yeah, I mean, I think we have to read that. We need to read more Thor. There's just, we're just, I'm so lost. I'm so lost in what's going on in comics. This is this is what it's like to get old. Oh, there's also there's also a Marvel book right now coming out, uh, very slowly, so we probably won't read it for two years. But it's it's a uh, Demon Days. Oh my gosh! Yeah, with Peach uh, Momoko. Peach Momoko. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I just started following her on Instagram. Uh, she's great. Her art is great. It's great. Everything is great. Yeah, and her her book is a better. Uh, what was that book we read? Five Ronin. It's a better Five Ronin book yeah. than that book itself was. Uh, I read the first issue. It's fantastic. I love it. Done. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know. Like I was like, well, we decided what's coming up. Uh... Yeah, we done. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can end on John's little sting there. That's like no, we really shouldn't. Fine, I'm just, I guess. I just Let's just have a lot of awkward silences. I don't know what's going on. This podcast is very weird. There's this really great feature in the editing software that I use called Strip Silence. It just, like, takes all of those awkward silences right out. Well, good. Hmm. I have to be very careful with it, though, because sometimes John is really quiet. Oh, and it my just, gosh. It doesn't, it doesn't realize... It not, I'm, I'm trying to be better about that. Has it not been any different? Oh, no, it's, it's definitely better. But, yeah, it's still a concern oh, sometimes. I'll just eat the mic. <laughs> I just, I can't... I can't get as excited as I should about comics because the kids are asleep through the wall. <laughs> oh, that's going to be me. Oh, ah, oh yeah, you laugh now. <laughs> so, I'm going to have to find a new place to record. It's going to be my time to shine. <laughs> I have to be the energy in the podcast. <laughs> John and I are both like, yeah, so uh, this, this X-Men story was really yeah. good. And, and we really like, and then all was like, I'm coming out, so you better get the party started. <laughs>